welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you're with us during this Holy Week. And as we are on Monday, Thursday, I want to read this verse of Scripture from Luke uh, chapter 18, verse 31. And Jesus speaking to his disciples, then he took, he, he took them, uh, the twelve, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered into the hands of the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spit upon. And they shall scourge him, and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. Well, that is the hope of the good news of Jesus Christ and uh, this Christian message. And we hope that you are uh, preparing for this uh, time. And those, uh, of course, who are observing Passover, uh, we ask a blessing upon your homes as well. So uh, with that, uh, as we enter in today's program, we're going to continue our coronavirus health care crisis update. Uh, but today we're going to give you some good news of some relief coming from Washington, of course, with the release recent uh, passage of the CARES Act. And with us is our special guest, U.S. Senator Rob Portman, who can give us a breakdown of what was exactly in the package. Senator, welcome to the program. Chris, thanks very much. It's good to be on with you again. Well, thank you, Senator, and thank you for going to bat for Ohioans during this time. And, of course, Governor DeWine and his team have been uh, leading us through this time of uh, lessening the curve as far as the increase of infections in the state of Ohio, uh, hopefully making it less stress on our health care system. And so far, it looks like the numbers are good here in Ohio and that he got out in front of this thing. And so we're making some headway. What's your thoughts about that from uh, Governor DeWine's perspective of what they've been doing on the state level? I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I think it's tough, but we did the right things. And Dr. Acton and and Governor DeWine, Lieutenant Governor Houston, um, have been doing these daily press briefings, which are very helpful, talking about how we're doing a better job than other states in kind of spreading out when the peak will be to get our health care system up and going. I had a conference call with health care providers today, hospitals all around the state, and, you know, they're more prepared now than they would have been a couple of weeks ago had we peaked then. And it looks like uh, you know, our peak will, will not be as steep. In other words, it won't be as, as much um, need for the ICU unit, uh, and we won't have the fatalities that uh, hopefully, uh, God willing, other states have had. So, I think we've done some of the right things, and I think it's beginning to pay off. But uh, I also believe we've got to keep at it uh, to, to be sure that uh, we do continue on that track. Uh, you mentioned earlier that we're here at a very special time, Holy Week, and tonight is the beginning of Passover, and, and this is just a very special time of the year for all of us. We wish we were able to go to our churches uh, on Sunday, certainly, and, and Good Friday is a special day, but uh, I'm amazed that what I'm hearing from people about their deepening faith. I had a teletown hall uh, this week, seems like it was a year ago now, uh, where uh, the issue came up again and again. People said, well, God bless you, or, you know, I'm turning to my pastor. A, a pastor actually came on and talked about the importance of faith. And I really think people, you know, they're they're obviously upset about what this is doing to their job or their family, and it's a difficult time, but it's also a time to dig deeper. And, uh as Deuteronomy 31.6 says, which I love, be strong and of good courage. Um, you know, 
he's not going to fail us. Uh, he's not going to forsake us. And I think that has really been important to people. And so if there's any silver lining in this terrible cloud, because it's been a, a dark, dark time uh, for so many people, it is that I see a deepening of faith. And by the way, some people may be a little tired of hanging out with their family, but I also see <laughs> an increasing appreciation of family, you know, uh, and, and the importance of family. And I think that's that's uh, something positive also. Well, it is indeed. And so, uh, and of course, family is finding ways through Zoom or conference calls or just messaging each other to make sure and keeping up with each other. I think one of the most difficult things for me personally is my mom is in the nursing home. She has been there for six years. They take great care care of her but we get in to see her a couple times a week and family members come in throughout the week and we haven't been able to do that now for about five weeks because my wife and i had been traveling so we were going to stay away and then comes the lockdown right so and mom's not conducive to be able to to because she has dementia uh when i sit down talk with her and she sees my face then we can converse and so it's that personal contact and i know it's been stressful for a lot of people that way but again it's for their good that uh in her her facility is in lockdown, but they have no known virus uh, cases there at her facility. Oh, and we're thankful so for that. Yep. That's so great. Yeah. And those healthcare workers, God bless them. I mean, it sounds like they've been using their protective gear and taking care of themselves too, so they can be strong uh, for your mom and, and, and the other residents there. Uh, is this, uh, is this Frank Nini's uh, side of the family or, or the other side of the family? Oh, the, no, this is the Irish side. My mom's Irish, and okay. so, yeah. Okay. Uh, but, oh, by the way, he ca- he called me last week Uncle just Frank. to— Yeah, that's right. Thank you, Senator. Uh, and I'll tell him that you said hello. He's 94 now, and he's calling to check up on me. How about that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. What an amazing guy. He is truly the greatest generation. Uh, for those who want to follow uh, uh, Chris's family as closely, Uncle Frank— uh, Got a new Purple Heart with his name engraved on it, um, as well as the World War II Victory Medal uh, in a little ceremony that we had, and some other medals as well. Anyway, he, he's uh, he's a special guy, and again, one of those greatest generation who uh, we're standing on their shoulders, aren't we? We are indeed. And, you know, this is the first time this generation has had this kind of—we've uh, actually never had a pandemic in over 100 years, the 1918 Spanish flu. So this is all new to us as far as distancing and social distancing hasn't happened in our country in a long time. Or where We've had—obviously, you, know, you had the polio epidemic, you had tuberculosis, uh, and the sanitariums there actually had a great-grandfather who died of tuberculosis here in Northeast Ohio. Uh, he was an Irish immigrant. Uh, we haven't had— had those kinds of uh, health issues in this country. We've been blessed, but this is a situation mm-hmm. where uh, it's been a new challenge for us all. Your it thoughts? Sure, it sure has, and, and it affects everybody, uh, directly or indirectly. We've all got one of my best friends uh, just got tested positive, and uh, he'll make it through. He's strong, but um, you know, others we, we, we know are not as fortunate, and it's tough. And then the people have lost their jobs, and the businesses you know, what breaks my heart uh, is when I'm on one of these uh, conference calls or town halls and uh, you said you saw our Facebook Live and people call in or write in and say, I've, I built this business myself, you know, in one mm. case, some guy told me 37 years, uh, I've got five employees now and after 37 years, I'm closing my doors. I can't, I can't stay open because I have no revenue and I don't have the cash reserves. And, and you know, he's crying because he's losing his business, but also he feels like these employees are family. So it's tough on a lot of people. And that's what this package that was passed in the Senate and House and the president signed is meant to do is to provide 
some rescue, really. I, I don't consider it a stimulus package as much as a rescue package for those who have fallen between the cracks, uh, for those who are in pain and who need some help right now. It's not perfect. It's a huge piece of legislation, over $2 trillion. But I think it is necessary for us to do something right now to help people through this. And with any luck, a couple months from now, we'll be in a very different situation. Well, that's right. And we're talking with Senator Portman, U.S. Senator from Ohio. Uh, Senator, let's talk about the breakdown of the numbers then of the CARES Act and how this will actually help some folks. So families and individuals will be getting a check here in the next couple of weeks. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, there's direct payments uh, going to, to people. This is something that the president felt strongly about, and I think it is important. It's almost like a, a bridge maybe to some of the other programs we'll talk about this, just to get some cash into people's pockets because so many people are hurting. Uh, some people have lost their health care, as an example, Chris, and it's you know it's tough to uh, afford COBRA or, 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 or go on the exchanges and get health care even. So this will help them. It's a check of $1,200 for individuals making less than $75,000 per year. Uh, if you make up to $100,000 a year, by the way, you'll get a check, but it'll be less than $1,200. Uh, so it phases out up to 100 If you're a uh, family, if you're a couple, two people filing jointly, it's uh, it's $2,400. So it's twice the 1200 and uh, you can make up to $150,000 a year, so twice for the individual. And for those making up to 200000 they will get something. Um, not as much as $2,400, but they'll get some some check. And then if you have kids, you get an additional $500 per child, which is something that some of us fought for because it's important to help our families. If we're going to help uh, single folks, we've got to help our families, particularly who are having a tough time right now. Uh, many, as you know, are uh, got their kids at home, and if they're, they're still in an essential business, how are they going to afford child care is an example. So roughly, family of four, that's $3,400. And that $3,400 should be coming soon. <laughs> Uh, you know, the federal government's never very good at uh, uh, getting things out out the door efficiently. But in this case, I do think with probably um, anybody who's filed their taxes in 2018 or 2019 should get a payment, uh, and it will go right into your account. In other words, if you're on direct deposit with the IRS, uh, say, you know, the way you get your refund, and because you filed a tax taxes in 2018 or 2019, the IRS has that information. That's where it should arrive. You don't need to do anything. Right. If you don't receive it, then there's probably a reason, and then let us know. Uh, I'll, I'll give this out later as well, but portman.senate.gov is our website. Feel free to let us know. Or let, I'm sure Chris would be happy to help you and contact us. But the idea is that if you filed taxes in 2018 or 2019, you should get this uh, in the next week and a half or so. Some people are on Social Security and are – concerned. Uh, we had an AERP uh, town hall meeting recently that uh, people thought that they weren't going to, going to get it. There was a rumor out there, if you're on Social Security, you wouldn't get it. That's not true. And even if you don't have any income, so you haven't filed income taxes, you still will get it. I think it's going to take longer. So instead of a week and a half, I would say give that two or three weeks uh, before you get nervous about not having the check, because it will probably have to be done through a a paper check, uh, and probably through the Social Security Administration. The IRS has told us they're working with Social Security now, and they will be included in this rebate program. So that's 
that's an important thing, I think, for a lot of families right now to know that that's on its way. Absolutely, and that's going to be good news for a lot of folks. Uh, and it will help stimulate the economy as well, of course. And for most folks, it will help them to pay some bills if they've been, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if their hours have been lessened or they've been unemployed. Senator, let's move on yep. to uh, small business. There is help for small business in this package as well. Now, I'm reading one note here. Is it true? Let's see, $4.5 billion aid to Ohio. Is that right in a breakdown, or how does that work? Yeah, I think that is more uh, of the uh, funding that's going to go to state government and state and local government. But for Ohio, we will get our share of what is now $350 billion that's going out uh, from the SBA through your lender, whoever it is. It could be a credit union. It could be a big bank, uh, you know, like Bank of America, or it could be a little community bank in your community uh, or even a savings and loan. Uh, go to them, uh, get an application, and if you are a small business person, um, you will be able to apply. You have to show you're affected uh, by the coronavirus, uh, which, of course, many small businesses are. Think of a restaurant or, or a bowling alley or a theater. Uh, and then you are able to get a loan through your bank that is 100% guaranteed by the federal government, and that loan converts essentially into a grant to you if you use it to keep people on, if you use it for payroll. You can also use 25% of it to pay your rent, pay your mortgage, or to pay your utilities. But it's really, uh, it's called the Paycheck Protection Program. It's really to keep people working. And um, so instead of people going on unemployment insurance, you want to keep people with these small businesses. One of the things that uh, I fought for in this, Chris, was to be sure that our nonprofits could access this program, and in particular, that our churches could access this program. Because I was hearing from a lot of churches that were really suffering, and a lot of nonprofits as well, yes. contributions are down. And yet, and they're still providing the same, and in some cases, even more services, uh, given the, the, the crisis. So you should know that they are included. And um, I know you have been very active in this, Chris, to be sure that our faith-based groups are properly treated here. I would encourage people who are interested, but maybe a little skeptical uh, in the faith community, to go on sba.gov and look for the document that the SBA has out there that explains that if you participate in this program, uh, as a church or a synagogue um, or a, uh, you know, a temple, you are not going to have to change your mission. You are not going to have to change your hiring practices. You're not going to have to change anything as, as to what is important to you and your, and your faith-based group. That's important because I was hearing from a lot of individuals saying, gosh, I hate to, I've never been in a government program before ever. I don't want to get into a government program. I don't want to have the government tell me uh, you know, what I can do and, and change my mission. So it's very explicit. Yes, churches are eligible, and no, they don't have to change their mission. Very good. The um, help to small business and these loans here, because we're we're hearing that, of course, uh, I've heard numbers that uh, 70% of uh, small business employees, 70% of the people that are employed across the country. So small business is huge. And uh, like yep. you said, there's a lot of pride that goes into a small business. Your own family has a small business, a restaurant, if I'm not mistaken, down there in uh, Cincinnati. So you understand the the principle of small business. Your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, it's my biggest concern in terms of the, the economy is that so many of these small businesses, uh, you mentioned restaurants or bars, um, uh, movie theaters, uh, bowling alleys, as I said, uh, you know, they were shut down, in essence, uh, by a government action, which I think was necessary, unfortunately, because if we had not done that, I think we wouldn't be seeing 
this, you know, relatively good smoothing of this curve, as they talk about. In other words, fewer people going to the hospital, fewer in the ICU, fewer deaths. But boy, it's tough on these small businesses. And it just, again, breaks my heart when I hear some of these stories of businesses that uh, have had to let people go and close their doors. So the idea is to give them a little breathing room here. It's a two-month program. It gets them through this period. Uh, the loan is forgiven if they use it, again, for payroll or, or rent or mortgage or utilities, and it enables them to basically just keep their doors open. Uh, and again, you know, we all hope that a couple months from now, this will be very different, that you'll begin to see people coming back. Uh, think of a retail establishment. I heard today from a friend of mine who, who has a little company uh, where, you know, he, he sells stuff uh, uh, in in Waynesville, Ohio, and uh you know, he's a retailer and his business has just been devastated and he built it himself. And I want to be sure that he's able at least to keep the doors open and keep some employees able to be ready. Economy begins to pick up. He won't be in bankruptcy. He instead will be able to take advantage of that and get back uh, on, on track and, and get his people back to work. That's right. And what I encourage you folks as well is that when things do start opening up, do patronize local business and, and buy American, you know, actually start looking yeah. at the label here and uh, because you're helping American business that way and you're helping that local, um, you know, retailer or that uh, local eatery. And so support them with the, the, you know, the funding that you get when you go out. And, and I think that's how this goodwill is going to be able to be spread with the relief coming from the CARES Act. Senator, your thoughts? I think you're absolutely right. I think we see it already with people who are being helpful. I, I have seen a lot of people, for instance, go to the takeout and, and leave a nice tip, you know, because they, they're, they're trying to ensure that these businesses can, can at least keep their doors open. Uh, we've also seen just uh, amazing acts of courage by our healthcare workers on the front line, our EMS personnel. I mean, Chris, I know you, uh, you know, some of those guys and, and women who, they're going into people's houses and taking sick people out and taking them to the hospital when they really need help uh, with great risk to themselves. And they're still in there doing it. And uh, we've got to get them, obviously, the protective equipment that they need, the protective gear. That's part of this legislation. That's not happening as quickly as I would like. Uh, and we've got to be sure that, you know, to the extent possible, um, you know, we are providing that kind of protective gear to everybody who interacts. So if you work in a grocery store, um, you know, you're doing your part. Stay in that grocery store. We, we need you, but wear protective gear and, and use the hand sanitizer and, you know, be, be careful, social distancing. But those people are, are, are the heroes here and, you know, the people that are delivering our mail, uh, the truck drivers, uh, the people who are every day out there, you know, trying to ensure that to the extent uh, uh, seniors need help, that, you know, they're getting it. I have a friend in our neighborhood who's doing shopping for the seniors in our neighborhood so they don't have to go out because they're more vulnerable. So these are some of the wonderful examples we are seeing of people stepping up and taking on these these roles and you know showing that in a crisis like this we can come together as a country. Senator, now here in Ohio, of course, we're into our fourth week of uh, shutdown. Now in uh, other parts of the country, they lag behind us. Uh, we've been in a longer period of shutdown. Some would argue that uh, Ohio is in front of everybody, and that's why we're seeing better numbers as far as uh, fewer cases of actually confirmed coronavirus uh, sufferers. But that in hospitalizations. But with that said, the way back, people have been asking, how do we open this back up again? The president set a date of May 1st. Uh, 
the governor may be, uh, you know, he's been uh, talking about that number as well. How do you envision this uh, uh, unfolding as we move towards May 1st now of opening things back up again? That's a great question. And I just got off a phone call with uh, a number of colleagues, um, Republican colleagues, and, and we talked about that very issue. And, and I made the point that uh, uh, I have been talking about for a while, which is the importance of testing. Chris, in my view, it's much better for us to focus on the healthcare uh, side here, like a laser to solve the healthcare crisis, um, because we can't provide enough funding. And by the way, a lot of this money, of course, is being borrowed. Uh, the federal government's in a, in a deficit situation, and yet we're pumping out over two trillion dollars here, which was necessary. But much better to get the healthcare crisis under control. Until we do that, these hospitals are not going to be able to do elective surgery, which is where they make their money. I just found a bunch of rural hospitals today that are really hurting. Uh, these We talked about the bars and the restaurants and the, and the movie theaters and so on. They're going to be going back with the retail shops until we give people the comfort to know that it's safe. Uh, parents are not going to be comfortable sending their kids back to school until they know that. And I think the testing is the most important single thing. Um, so we've got to provide more tests. We've got to provide tests to people who are uh, asymptomatic in my view, not just those who have severe symptoms, which is pretty much what it is in a lot of parts of Ohio right now. You can't get a test unless you're you're really ill. We should provide much broader testing, and we should provide that number every day to everybody. This is what's called a reportable disease. So in theory, every time someone is tested, that number should go up to Washington. The CDC should be telling us, okay, we're getting better. We're getting worse. Ohio should know that we're getting better. When people see that, that there are fewer cases every day, and adequate testing so that it's a meaningful number, but that will make a big difference in terms of, one, the health care of our community, because then you can do contact tracing, be sure you're isolating people and dealing with the health care side of it. But second, to give us some metric, some measurement where we know what is happening. I don't think uh, a politician like myself is the appropriate person to say, we're going to open this day or that day. I think you want to hear it from the professionals, and you want to hear it in terms of a data that's actually uh, – and something that people can rely on. So I think that's really important. The other kind of testing that's coming on now in Ohio and around the country um, is the antibody test. That's also very important. Um, They call this the seriology test. And basically what it is is it's a pinprick. Uh, It takes 20 minutes to get the result. So it's a relatively inexpensive, quick, easy test. Uh, It's a a blood test. And uh, if in 20 minutes, I'm told 15 to 20 minutes, actually, you can get the results. You know whether you have the antibody. That will also help. Yes. I think the testing is important in both knowing, you know, who has it, who doesn't, knowing when we begin to see fewer uh, cases every day and people know, okay, it's it's getting better now, and then eventually it's safe to get, get back into, into our, our normal lives. But second, to know if you have this antibody, people will be much more confident to know that they can be out there, and, and I hope some of those people will, will be out there in the front lines uh, because they will be able to do that. And then the final thing I'll say is we're going to have to work a little differently, uh, at least during an interim period where we, we're just more careful and uh, show more social distancing and, and use the hand sanitizer more and uh, you know, do all the things that we're expected to do. Well, that's right, and I think people have been practicing it, so (laughs) I think that's what's going to be the norm going forward. Senator, thank you so much for what you're doing for Ohioans, and uh, thank you for your work on the CARES Act as well, and uh, we appreciate that, and I know that many people will benefit from it. Again, the website so folks can find out more information. Your website? website 
portman.senate.gov. If you go on and, and portman.senate.gov slash services slash coronavirus, you'll get right into our updates on the coronavirus. If you want to call instead, 1-800-205-6446. That's 1-800-205-OHIO-6446. And thank you very much, Chris, for having me on, and more importantly, what you're doing every day to get the message out uh, to the Ohio Christian Alliance members and to all your listeners. Thank you. God bless you, Senator. Happy Easter. God bless you. Thank you. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. Hello, I'm Ohio Governor Mike DeWine. We need all Ohioans to help us slow the spread of the coronavirus. For the most up-to-date information, please visit our website at coronavirus.ohio.gov or call 1-833-4-ASK-ODH seven days a week. Furnished by Governor Mike DeWine, aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Okay, and we're going to uh, continue with our Pastors Roundtable this segment. We're going to be talking about what pastors are doing this coming Sunday, Easter Sunday, as we are now ending into our fourth week, uh, actually, uh, of services being suspended as far as people gathering in in person uh, for many churches, but uh, yet they're finding creative ways to gather together in the name of the Lord. And of course, this is Easter Sunday. This is Resurrection Day. And, of course, uh, we're celebrating the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to begin this segment from a Scripture reading from Isaiah 53. One of my favorite as we enter into, uh, of course, uh, Good Friday and Holy Saturday and Easter Sunday morning. Isaiah 53, verse 1, "...who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed?" For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. We, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows." 
Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And that is a promise from the Word of God in Isaiah 53, speaking of the Lord Jesus, of course, of his crucifixion, as he took the place for you and me, my friend, and actually bore upon him the sins of the whole world. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that right, Pastor Jerry? Amen. Man, you said it. You hit the nail right on the head. (laughs) (laughs) And Pastor Rodney, Lord, uh, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Brother Chris. It's an honor to together and to uh, just spend some time together. Well, let's, let me give you both a proper introduction, my brothers. So Pastor Jerry O'Brien is Senior Pastor of Faith Harvest Fellowship in Orville, Ohio, and Pastor Rodney Lord is Senior Pastor of Freedom Gate Church in Marietta, Ohio. We may be joined by Pastor Dana Gamble of uh, Cathedral of Life in Canton, uh, and he's going to be sharing with us also some creative ways in which the church is gathering this Sunday morning. Well, Pastor Rodney, I want to begin with you, because uh, we talked a little bit uh, online to this afternoon, and you've taken the opportunity to, of course, have a joint church service in Marietta. By the way, I love uh, the, the town that you minister in, the historic town of Marietta, Ohio, on the Ohio River, and of course, uh, former state representative Andy Thompson is a good friend of ours. We always enjoy visiting with him and the good folks there in Marietta. Tell us what your church is doing and the community to gather together to celebrate uh, this Easter and, of course, the Resurrection Day. Okay, well, thank you for the opportunity. Um, up, it was several times over the past few years we have gathered uh, two or three churches uh, on a Sunday, and uh, this time a friend of mine, Pastor Teddy Tackett, uh, Reno Christian Church, called me and said, hey, how about getting our churches together? And I said, oh, let's do it. That sounds like a great idea. So uh, there's four churches here. We actually uh, might pick up a few more. We're going to start communicating it out a little further. But um, we are doing what you've probably seen across the nation, uh, many different places, drive-in church, and there's a large commercial uh, parking lot nearby our churches, and so we are going to gather there, and we'll use an FM transmitter, short-range FM transmitter, and we'll have people drive in. They don't have to get out of their cars. Uh, We won't be doing any mingling per se, just so we can honor what the governor has requested. But uh, what I've found is people are eager to make connection, even if it's just uh, beside another car with their window down and just affirming, hey, we're still uh, having church. We've been doing it like most churches. We've been streaming um, continually. But uh, this will be a one-hour service from 10 to 11, and uh, we're looking forward to it. We've got... uh, um, Evergreen Bible, which is predominantly a Baptist church. We have a celebration center. Uh, they're an independent, uh, spirit-filled church, Reno Christian Center, which uh, Christian churches, I believe, are somewhat like uh, Church of Christ. They have a connection there. And then our church, Freedom Gate Church, in which we're uh, independent church as well. So uh, we will play some music. We're not going to have a worship team, so we'll play some music, uh, worship music that people can uh, join us in. And then the four pastors are each just going to take about seven minutes and just kind of release their heart and their portion uh, for this Easter Sunday. 
Oh, that is wonderful. And what a great uh, way in which uh, the Church of Jesus Christ can gather together in his name, in the spirit of unity, the spirit of oneness, uh, as Christ prayed for his disciples and prayed that uh, they would be one. And uh, what a wonderful way, if, if for no other reason, that we can gather together and celebrate his death, burial, and resurrection together and lift up the mighty and triumphant name of the Lord Jesus. And I'm so glad, Pastor, you're doing Amen. that with the church in your area. What a great way. And, uh, you know, like uh, we had a younger pastor on a few weeks ago, talked about when this all began with the disbursement, of course, of the the gathering. But he said we're dispersed, but we're not we're not disconnected. And he said we're finding ways to reach out to each other and stay connected in the spirit and uh, fellowship in Jesus Christ. Your thoughts? Well, one of the things that um, we've been able to do as well, we started this. In fact, it was uh, my son Nathan uh, immediately after this has taken place. He said, "Dad, let's let's get together and." and just start praying together and gather the people together. So we do that using a conference call, and we've been going now for four weeks straight, um, every night having a conference call, except Sunday. Of course, we have a service together then and pray, But uh, and we've had uh, probably anywhere from 15, 18 to 30 people plus on the phone every night. It's a great connection time. And uh, I did want to also mention that uh, in our nearby city, Parkersburg, across the river in West Virginia, um, we did a we joined with them just to have a prayer gathering. It was a drive-in prayer gathering that was last Friday. Uh, of course, the news media picked that up and communicated it out. And then just yesterday, there was another drive-in, but this was uh, to pray at the hospital. Hmm. And they had about a hundred. Uh, that came 100 cars, so more than 100 people came just to show support for the local hospi- hospital uh, and all those frontline folks. And and what we're finding is people are eager to connect. In fact, this conference call has allowed the body to jump in at levels where they normally wouldn't. At a regular service, we don't have, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 people praying, but on a conference call, we're able to do that. So mm. it's really been a special time. Amen. Amen. Hey, also joining us on the phone right now is Pastor Dana Gamble. He is Senior Pastor of Cathedral of Life and Trinity Gospel Temple with Pastor Dave down there in Canton. Uh, they're doing something unique this Sunday as well. Pastor Dana, welcome to the program. Hey, it's great to be with you, Chris. Thank you so much for the invitation. Well, you're welcome, my brother. Tell us what you're doing on Sunday there in Canton. You know, for several weeks, uh, we've been uh, streaming live, so we'll continue to do that. We're streaming live on our uh, YouTube and Facebook pages, um, as well as we have people calling in that can't use the stream because they don't have Internet, so they can call in on our phone line, and they can listen uh, that way. But we are inviting uh, those who are not sick and those who don't have symptoms and those who don't have uh, health risks to come and do uh, a drive-in in the park parking lot uh, with their cars. And so they're going to drive in. We're encouraging them to stay in their cars, bring their own communion with them. We're going to receive communion. We'll do that at 9 o'clock. And we'll also do that at our 1030 service. We also have a, a 6 p.m. service, but that <clears throat> service will just be streamed. So uh, we're doing a lot of different things. Tell folks how they get there in Canton uh, to uh, Trinity Gospel Temple, where Cathedral of Life is also meeting. Yeah, we're uh, conveniently located right off of 77. If you uh, are coming south, you jump off at the Tuscarawas exit and you turn left, and 
about a block down uh, just behind McDonald's. You'll see the uh, Trinity Gospel Temple um, uh, sanctuary there. And uh, if you're coming north, uh, it's the same. It's just you jump off of, of, of Tuscarawas, and, and you can actually see it from the highway. So it's very conveniently located. It's just a, an exit past, if you're coming south, past the uh, Hall of Fame. Well, what I love about it is that, uh, you know, uh, let's see, it was about a year and a half ago, almost approaching two years ago, that you had a fire at your church, and then the Lord kind of brought two congregations together, Trinity Gospel Temple and Cathedral of Life. Tell us about that briefly. Actually, to be honest, he brought three uh, congregations together, Pastor Michael Kelly with New Life uh, Church in Louisville, and then our church as well, and Trinity Gospel Temple. We actually had a fire um, this past March 15th, three years ago. Oh, my. And uh, it's been three years of rebuilding that facility on that campus. But in the meantime, the Lord's uh, given us uh, several other campuses, and we're connecting. Churches are connecting with us. Uh, we're connecting with uh, Dode and Ben Overton and have a, a campus down there in the Dover area as well. So, I mean, it's been an incredible work of the Holy Spirit, bringing the body of Christ together, and uh, just the synergy of being able to bring uh, millennials together with uh, baby boomers and uh, uh, the energy and the wisdom. I mean, it's an amazing thing when God brings his body together. You know, I'm thinking, and I heard Pastor Frank Carl, uh, this was a few weeks ago, he did this. He had the idea, uh, it's a, um, Genoa Baptist Church uh, just outside of Columbus, to have the drive-in theater-type church. And we joke around by calling him the new uh, 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 Robert Schuller. But uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, that's how Robert Schuller uh, actually started back in the day, right, with uh, Crystal Cathedral. Crystal uh, Cathedral? Yeah. yeah, in Anaheim, California, and it was a drive-in ministry. But what what's interesting about this is that there's people coming. He said, we didn't know how this would work. We'd have an FM translator, Rodney, like what you're doing down in Marietta on Sunday. We got the, we'd have the platform. I would preach. We'd have the worship team, but everybody would stay in their cars. And then uh, people would bring their offering, uh, and then they could stop by the table and put it in the bucket, that kind of thing. But he said, there, he said we didn't know how many people would come. He said, we had to make room. We, we thought we'd have one service. We ended up having four because there was that many more people coming. And what was great about that, there were people that were coming that had never been to church before. And the reason is, is I think, because first of all, it's a little intimidating sometimes to go into the church building, right? You always hear the guy saying, I'm not going to go in there. If I go down and go in there, the the building will fall down on me. Well, if he drives in his own car, right, and he hears the message, well, now this is different, you know. So maybe people are starting to come get a little closer to the church. First of all, they realize how serious the days are that we're living in, right? And life and death matters in front of you right now with a coronavirus healthcare crisis. And then uh, they're seeing that the church is not able to meet, but then they're finding creative ways to meet. Uh, Pastor Jerry, your thoughts on that? Yes, the... um you know, as we always, we know that uh, there is always a hidden way that God has preserved for the body of Christ. In fact, that's what we see in Psalm 77, as the psalmist was struggling <clears throat> with seeing his way through this crisis that they were going through. And the first 12 verses was just doom and gloom. And then he says, but this I remembered and as he began to remember what God had done in the past, the last two verses lay it out that God revealed the secret way through the desert and a secret path through the sea. 
And that's where we're at right now. And I love the way that the body of Christ is mobilizing. You know, it's not, I said, it's not God, uh, the church is shutting down. The church is mobilizing. And uh, the church is not a building. It, it is us. It's, you know, we are his church. So in all of the different ways, as you know, Chris, and I know Rodney and Dana, Pastor Dana, know, you know, I cover 44 counties for the Family Research Council. And I've talked to, last week, I talked to 116 pastors. Week before that, 98 pastors. The week before that, 250 pastors. Now, uh, this was on conference calls. And I can see several things. Number one, the unique ways, just like it was just mentioned. You know, we're doing a drive-in uh, service ourselves. Uh, we're also live streaming. We're also uh, doing uh, what I call senior citizens conference calls, uh, reaching out to them. And we see creative ways. But one thing that we also see, Chris, is we still see a lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, uh, shock here by a lot of the pastors not knowing what to do. Uh, we do have a population of the church that's not real tech-savvy, and they're really struggling with that. I had one pastor say that uh, he was—he said, well, I'm finished. I said, what do you mean finished? He said, well, before this, we were financially strapped. Now this is going to bankrupt us and— uh, you know, we, you know, uh, my board, half of my board left and resigned and left the church. And uh, so I might as well give it up. And I, you know, I encouraged him. I said, yeah, that might happen with the church. You might end up having to do that. But our gifts and calling are without repentance. And there is a mission field for you in this hour. And to find it, you've got to be willing to retool your ministering methods. There's three graphics uh, of uh, uh, the type of people in our churches. We've got the young generation that really is very tech-savvy. So we have not lost any of those through our live streaming. Uh, that goes up to about the uh, age 35 and, and even close to 40. When you get into 40 and 50, what you run into is you run into that uh, those age, age groups. you got about 50-50 that are tech-savvy, and the other 50 aren't. Uh, so these drive-in services work well for them uh, So because we can still make contact with them. The but like, you know what I thought was interesting, pastors, when you share with me on the phone today, that some of the older folks, of course, they're not, they don't have the smartphones, they're not texting, they're not doing FaceTime yeah. or Zoom or that kind of thing, yep. but you're doing kind of yep. a conference call with them. And for the older folks, it reminds them of the old party line. Tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I told them, and that's the, that right there is the biggest uh, uh, dilemma that most pastors have is reaching that group because they're completely isolated. And uh, so uh, uh, what I started doing is I set up this com free conference call dot com line, and I basically we had to literally walk them through this, you know, and a lot of them had anxieties. Well, I don't know how to do conference calling. And well, we gave them the number. We told them just like when you call the doctor's office, they will prompt you to push whatever button your doctor is. That's the same thing you do with this code. Well, by the time we got them all on the phone, you know, they were they were laughing like, and uh, Mother Margaret says, uh, Mary, are you on the phone? 
And Mary says, yes, I'm on the phone. And Miss Emma <laughs> says, I'm on here, too. And they're laughing. And they said, you know, this is, goes all the way back to when we were young with the with the all of the uh, what they called in those days, they uh, called them the party line. The party line. Yeah, like you're on Andy Andy Griffith with uh, Yo Sarah, get me through too. Yeah. So so. Yeah. so <laughs> we were able to minister, to Pastor them. Dana. That's right. Thanks, dear Pastor Dana. Uh, there are some challenges with all this, though, isn't there? With the different age brackets of folks, isn't there? Well, you know, everything in life has challenges, but uh, we're we're so excited about about what we're seeing. Our our metrics and our numbers, uh, even on our, our YouTubes and our Facebook and all these different things, have gone up 56% since before we started all of this. Uh, we've got more people connecting, more people um, uh, reach, reaching out to us, and it's exciting. But I'm actually more uh, excited about not just the fact that I'm working with uh, Brother Dave, tremendous man of God, uh, Pastor Michael Kelly, others in the community, but we're doing all kinds of outreach uh, in our community as well. I mean, we're, we're, we've sown, uh, I think, something like uh, 15 tons of, of food into the community. Uh, that's like 30,000 pounds of food. We've, we've uh, taken, uh, you know, snacks and those sort of things to the people who are working in the, uh, uh, the hospitals and the ER to keep them going through the night. We have uh, prayer um, calls that are going on. We have 707 communion every single night uh, that people are, are jumping on board with. I mean, really what we're seeing, like when, when we had the fire, we were, it was all about our building. But, uh, you know, it's kind of a, a second chapter of Acts thing that happened. That was the first time there was a fire, by the way, in the church. Uh, in the mm-hmm. second chapter of Acts, the Holy Spirit fell, and there was cloven tongues of fire on them. But that fire um, got them out of the building and into the street. Wow. That day, 3,000 people were saved. Yeah, amen. And I believe that this, this whole thing, the, the greatest <laughs> challenge is, is not to stay in our own systems uh, and become gathering churches, but rather become mobilized churches and, uh, you know, I mean, we're doing stuff to feed people. In fact, even tomorrow morning, we're, we're partnering with uh, Case Farms to uh, help people get uh, chicken that they can't even get on the, on the uh, shelves. And they can pay for a reduced rate, I mean, very reduced rate, and just pick it up in the parking lot. It's unbelievable all the things that are available that we can do when we really start putting our mind to it. Amen. Pastor Rodney, there there is a spiritual fire that that's starting to kindle in the church and and this is a real opportunity, isn't it? Yeah, even while we're on this call and recording this call, the um there's a global communion service that's taking place and uh major leaders, major voices all over the nation uh are pouring into that. So we're seeing connections that are eclipsing what we've ever uh, known before. You know, all of us are in streams. We have certain um, networks that are a part of or certain people that we listen to. But it has just been amazing, the expansion of the penetration of the Word. You know, you think about it, uh, you can be, and I, one time I was in a, one of the jungles in Africa, and we were talking to this chief, and uh, next thing you know, his cell phone rings, and he reaches inside of his robe to take a phone call. <laughs> and, you know, so the gospel and the what God is doing in this moment literally is, is penetrating the globe. Um, you mentioned outreach, and of course, Dana, he's a very creative guy and love what he does. Um, and uh, our local here, our Salvation Army, started... Uh, you know, releasing food and packing food, but they didn't have anybody really to pack it and deliver it and get it out there. So 
we realized that, hey, we have all these college students that are now home sitting around with nothing to do, basically. And so we mobilized them to join the Salvation Army and start delivering food. And I think this week uh, we mobilized some of them to go out and help an elderly person move their house and, you know, those kind of practical things. So, yeah, indeed, it is a time for the church to be mobilized and literally connected in new ways. Well, that's that's exactly right, and we're going to hear so many testimonies, I know, as time goes on, and just what the Lord is doing. We've been praying for an awakening for, you know, for years, and yet here's an opportunity that God has given us. You know, sometimes the answer comes, not as we first perceive it, but then we see later the wisdom of God, how he is going to use this situation to move upon his people and to bring in a host unto himself. I'm reading from John's Gospel, chapter 10 and verse 11, when Jesus spoke to the disciples and said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Pastor Dana, as we enter into Easter weekend, this is a time in which we focus upon the Lord, and many people who normally don't come to church are thinking about spiritual things. What's the word that you have for them today? You know, it's really a a message of hope. Um, because really that's the, that's, that's the gospel. We keep hearing on the news, they keep saying things like, here's what we know, and here's what we know. Well, here's what I know. Um, I've listened to a lot of the news, and there's all kinds of reports, but there's one news that's called the gospel, and it's the good news. And the good news is the same as it was uh, when Jesus was resurrected. It's the same today. It's, it's, a, it's a message of hope that he's alive and well. He came, he went to the cross for our sins, he died, was buried, and rose again. And he's coming again, and uh, he's coming for a, a church that is not uh, emaciated, a church that's not anemic. He's looking for a people who are ready to be empowered and equipped. And I believe this is what, what's really bringing us out into the streets, to, to really be equipped to, to minister and to bless people. And uh, uh, it's great to be on this program with, with you guys, with Rodney and, and uh, Jerry and, and, and uh, you, Chris. I just... Uh, I've got to slip out for that global uh, prayer meeting. I'm actually going to be serving communion on that in just a moment. But uh, I am so honored to be on here with you guys, and uh, I'm looking for one of the greatest Passovers we have ever seen in our lives. This is a historic moment. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. And we'll be praying for your services on Sunday, uh, that the Lord move in a mighty way. God bless you, my friend. All right. Bye-bye now. Pastor Jerry, we just have about a minute left. Can you close us in a word of prayer? Yes. Father, we thank you for such a time as this. We thank you that you're a sovereign God and none of this takes you by surprise and that you do have a secret path through this for your people. And Lord, you you called us up into this hour that we might be a light to the world. And we pray, Father, that you continue to give us more strategic ways to spread the gospel, the good news, because that's where our hope comes from. And we declare right now, Father, that hope will be poured out upon our communities. I thank you, Father, for Chris and the work that they're doing. I ask you, Father, to give them an even more influential voice in this hour. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, brothers, uh, the Lord bless your ministries on Sunday and increase uh, your tent. And Pastor Jerry O'Brien, Faith Harvest Fellowship, Orville, Ohio, please look him up and the service times. And Pastor Rodney Lord of Freedom Gate Church of Marietta, Ohio. My brother, thank you so much for joining us today. And the Lord bless you on Sunday. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. God bless Bye-bye. you. 
And if you've missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. God bless you. Happy Resurrection Day. Enjoy this Easter season with your family. God bless you. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.